When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My name is Jenna and I'm here to help you do all the hard things. I'm a licensed professional counselor with nearly 10 years of clinical and research experience working with people who have some of the most debilitating OCD and anxiety in the world. I'm also a mom, a personal trainer, and a lover of modern spirituality. My goal is to bring you all the research, guidance, and encouragement you need to help you remember and know how strong you truly are. Now let's get to it. So, all right, we have Anne here who was gracious enough to offer sharing her story with us. And I'm really eager to just share her story with all of you. So, Anne, if you don't mind um, just giving us a little bit of background information about your family and any other context kind of information that would be relevant to the telling of your story. Sure. Um, Current stats, I'm a mom to three kids. By the end of this fall, we have a crazy six weeks where we've got all three kids' birthdays and a whole bunch of other events and birthdays. Um, my kids will be three, five, and 13, girl, boy, girl. So um, they keep me busy. I have been married to the man who is quite honestly the man of my dreams for going on seven years now, and we've been together 11. Um, I'm a working mom currently, um, part-time remote from home, but I have also played the full-time working mom, the full-time stay-at-home mom, Um, And so now we've kind of got that kind of middle of the line balance. And we also just are becoming a homeschooling family this year. So I have that to look forward to. And my husband just started a business this past month. So uh, definitely have a pretty full plate going on. Wow. Just a lot of changes, it seems like. Let's just maybe start with just your general adjustment to motherhood. Isn't this such a taboo thing that I'm going to say, but I did not adjust well. Um, I know like in our culture, we sort of want to think like, you know, oh, I love my child at first sight. And, you know, there was cherubs hovering and harps playing, but my experience was not at all like that. Um, I, I think it just like shattered my scope of the world and who I thought I was. And so I, it was really just a huge, just so much of a huge change that I maybe wasn't really ready for. I was 25 and still very, very, very selfish. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was just too much. I think I had been told by a couple doctors that I would never have children. So the likelihood um, of, of me getting pregnant, I thought was like not even something on the table. Mm-hmm. So when I was 25, I was dating someone I really didn't want to be dating. Um, the previous three years, I had kind of developed a taste for men who were psychologically terrible for me. And in this particular instance, I listened to my friends instead of following my gut. So um, they thought he treated me well, and I stayed longer than I should have because I thought I was crazy. And obviously, I didn't know how to pick a man. So um, about the time I decided that I needed to follow my heart, and I just couldn't be with him any longer. Um, I had planned on breaking up with him that weekend when our schedules could allow us to meet in person. And uh, two days before that, I took my pregnancy test and found out that I might need to hold that plan off. So I mean, right from the get-go, it just was 
it was a tough situation and I just wasn't mentally ready. So it was, it was a tough adjustment. And then going through, you know, having a toxic relationship while having a baby for the first time was, it just wasn't good. It was, it was hard. And I think it took me a good, I want to say maybe a year really until I felt kind of that I was a mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I can relate to that too. Even having a supportive partner, thank God, but um, just the, the, stigma around not falling in love with your baby at first sight, I think it's really important for women to know that that's not always the case. And so if you feel that way, you're not alone. It's not that you weren't meant to be a mom. It's not that you're doing something wrong. It's just that it happens to us sometimes. So it's really good for them to know that that was your experience. Yeah. And I wish it wasn't so taboo. And I mean, 13 years ago was even worse. And now there's, I think, some more acceptance of, you know, real life situations like that. But, um, but yeah, it's tough. And it, especially when you feel like you can't say that to anyone. Mm-hmm. So what do you think it was just out of curiosity, you said about a year until you started to feel like you got in the swing of things. What do you think the change or the shift was? You know, I mean, as soon as I found out I was pregnant, I was, I mean, I was bawling my eyes out and laughing at the same time, because I was like, I mean, it was this thing that I really had always wanted. And I was devastated when I was first told it probably wouldn't happen. Um, and so I loved, I loved my daughter for as soon as I knew she was in my stomach. But it, it, I think it was just the connection. There just wasn't that connection. Mm-hmm. And it was really because I was fighting it. Because my life was just complete chaos. And so... I think it wasn't really until I started to sort of evaluate my life and look at what direction I wanted it to go and look at the lessons that I wanted my daughter to grow up learning. And once I started making even decisions, it was before I even made any big changes, but once I started making decisions about what I wanted my life to look like, I was able to connect with her better. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm glad that you were eventually able to get to that point. Um, I know it takes some women a little bit longer than others, but I'm glad that you were able to get there. Um, And then you mentioned at some point along the way, obviously you had found this person who you call to be the man of your dreams. And then it seems like you ended up having an additional, at least two children together. So can you just talk us through kind of that storyline and how that progressed? Maybe Maybe like a contrasting of what it was like being pregnant with those two versus the first one. So (laughs) this is sort of funny. I, the, the second two kids weren't exactly my, I, my baby was actually a lot more like my first daughter because again, our life was in this weird state of chaos. And, you know, it was, it was difficult because adjusting to two was a big life change for us. You know, my daughter was like excited and ready and she, she was eight. So she was old enough to help. Um, and it was great. It just, it was a happy time. We had started a business. We were doing well, everything was going really fantastic. And when my son was born, I decided to be a stay at home mom and things slowly started to get more difficult because I mean, our income was in half and then we're running this business, which is a ton of pressure on my husband to provide for us on this thing. That's like a roller coaster. So we were already kind of on the downslope there. And then we had some big changes take place in the business. Our employees both left at the same time. Um, and just we're having a baby. It, it was just a lot of changes at once and the business. Just, we couldn't do it anymore. So, so we were shutting down a business and 
we sat down and had a talk on whether we wanted to have it like an open book on whether we wanted to try for more children and see what happened or not. And we decided not to. We're like, no, we, two is good. This feels right. We're comfortable. We can't handle anymore psychologically, emotionally, financially. And then uh, that week. Oh, my or, God. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Might have been a week and a half. It was really close to the time we decided we were done. We found out we were not, in fact, done and we were going to have another baby. So, again, just a situation where it's like, you know, it is a lot different, I think, when you have a pregnancy that you're you're actively wanting and trying for and preparing versus when you have like a comet just strike your world. Like it's Mm -hmm. just it's really jarring. And so. You know, we also had some drama with some family members going, it, it was just, it was a tough time. And so I don't know if it was that adjustment, like the, the adjustment where we were just in turmoil that made going from two to three more challenging, or if it was just where we were mentally or maybe just all of it combined. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's interesting because as a mom of just one, I'm always so curious, like, what transition was the hardest? Was it zero to one or one to two or two to three? And everyone has a different answer. And so you're right. I mean, everyone is going to be different and it totally depends too, not just on the temperament of the baby, but it's so important, like where you're at in your world. Are you ready for the baby? What's your financial situation? You know, where are you at just in general with your life? And so it makes sense that you know, you were at different parts of your life. And so it just, you were just going into the pregnancy feeling different. Yeah. Yeah. And the pregnancy was a challenging one. So that makes a difference too. And, and I mean, honestly, going to three, (laughs) I mean, it's utter madness. It (laughs) even Mm -hmm. like now, I think when you're over overwhelmed and outnumbered, it is like, it's complete insanity, but it is, it's fun. And it's like, like, I feel like we're thriving as a family of five. We, there's so much more love and so much more hilarity, but it's also so much, so many more words and so many more demands and talking and it's chaos, but I mm-hmm. love it. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's okay to love it and think it's totally chaotic and even dislike some parts of it too, right? Like this morning, I, I feel like we were having one of those mornings where it's like, oh my gosh, so many emotions. <laughs> And I feel like that's what you're getting to. Like, there's just so many words, there's yes. so many demands. So um, you are saying here that at some point you became, or or just maybe naturally in your relationship with this other man, you became a step-parent. Um, so well, I'd like to know more. He became a step-parent. So oh, okay. I think my challenge with my husband and my daughter, my eldest daughter, is um it's different. It just, it, it just is, you know, I think when you have a child who's biologically yours, you have this sort of physiological connection with them. And when you don't have that and then throw in, you know, that my daughter has a lot of sort of personality traits of her father that are very incredibly difficult. And so, mm-hmm. you know, my husband has really struggled with it and he's done a great job. I mean, he, he treats my daughter as though she is his own as much as he possibly could, but even within that, I mean, there's just, it's an extra level of challenge. Mm-hmm. What's that like for you to witness uh, just all of it? I mean, like the personality characteristics in your daughter that remind you of your, uh, of the biological father, seeing maybe the differences in their relationship. What's that all like for you to witness? Oh boy. 
seeing the personality traits honestly can can kind of trigger me to mm-hmm. get really irritated too because i mean it, like it, it wasn't just a toxic relationship he was a very very unhealthy human and still to this day is and so it's it's difficult because i feel like i'm trying to teach her out of those traits so that she doesn't go down those same sort of paths he has um but also not wanting to crush her spirit and so it's difficult for me <laughs> to sort of do that gently and with nothing but love and try to hide any irritation I have going on and then throw in like trying to be like the middleman between them two is like uh my marriage is super important but also my relationship with my daughter is and when I was growing up I had a stepdad who was a complete complete jerk just awful and my mom always took my side and I'm so grateful to that to this day for that but it came at a cost to her marriage and so (laughs) Um, you know, which ultimately was a good thing because she shed that, but I don't want to let go of my marriage. So it's always trying to kind of keep the peace. Um, and I think as women, we tend to be peacemakers anyways. And so it's just this kind of an extra level of pressure on being a peacemaker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We play a lot of different roles and you definitely, I'm sure have to play the peacemaker quite a bit just with all the different things that you've got going on. Um, so at what point did you, you said that you went back to working full time or I know right now you're kind of in between. Um, I was a full time and then some working mom when my first daughter was born because I really had to financially support us. Um, and I remained that until she was in kindergarten. And then I think it just hit me that you lose so much time and so many moments and I had been working so hard because I had to, but I was like mourning the loss of like all this time that was already gone. And so my husband was very supportive in um, me finding a job that was not part-time, part-time, but I could come in a little bit later and leave earlier so I could drop her off at school and pick her up. And that was really a huge shift for me um, and understanding like how much I need that balance. And so Um, I stayed working on that level until my son was born. And then I became a stay at home mom, which I did for quite a while, um, up until actually about a year ago. And then I found kind of the unicorn of jobs, which is working part time from my house. I don't have to commute. I don't even have to get ready most of the time. So um, it's just it fits in our lifestyle perfectly. Mm -hmm. Um, Working full time away from home was very challenging for me. Um, again, I think just cause I felt like I was missing so much and I know I didn't go into a career field that I had passion for, or that, you know, I, it wasn't my life's dream. It was just a job. I've always just had jobs, um, good jobs, but just jobs, nothing I felt, you know, connected to in my heart. And so I didn't have that level of like drive to want to be working that many hours. Um, and then conversely, when I became a stay at home mom, that's such a tough adjustment. It's, you go from, you know, being a, somebody who's helping provide and bringing things to the table and getting validation from outside your house. And then all of a sudden it just, it's almost like it's like a vacuum and it's just gone. And so you kind of go through like this, or I did, I went through this kind of like. I just lost myself 
Like all of a sudden, the only person I was, was mom. And Mm -hmm. so I think for me, finding this kind of like balance where I'm still primarily mom, but I'm also somebody else. And I do valid things that people care about in other parts of my day. And so I I think I need sort of that balance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hear that from so many women and the, the guilt that they feel that they're not okay just being a stay-at-home mom all the time and that they feel like they need something else for them. And what does that mean about me? But personally, that's my experience too. I feel like I needed something different too and something additional. Um, and it made having something additional, like a job that I really cared about or um, just that validation, that other role that wasn't just mom, it made me a better mom. So um So you talked a lot about kind of where you've been up until this point, kind of your story so far. I'm curious now, because you talked to me a lot just about some parenting um, strategies that you guys really believe in and and how you try to kind of maintain everything at your home. So I'm curious to learn more. You mentioned about, you know, you try for a natural lifestyle, you know, that it's not really perfect all the time, but I'm curious about this and how it kind of shows up for you. Um, Sure. I tend to be a very all or nothing person, which has worked against me a number of times. Um, And having a natural lifestyle was something I really struggled with, particularly, um, because I do tend to take things to the extreme, you know, and I I tend to get a little obsessive about whatever kind of new fire is lit under me. And so when I started my natural journey, I guess I went in thinking it was as simple as like using essential oils and avoiding harsh chemicals. And I'm like, I got this. Uh, But when I started learning about more ways to incorporate true health and natural health into our family, it had sort of a counter effect because I I did get so obsessive and it made me so stressed. Like Mm. if we ate the wrong thing, all of a sudden I had like this guilt and I was like irritated. Or if somebody brought something into my house that wasn't clean, I was like beside myself, like, oh, and I'd have all this upsetness. Um, And so I think you know, there's people who can take it to the extreme and do great without a lot of stress, but that is not me. And so I guess I'm learning that trying my best, but being gracious with myself is going to make me so much more healthy than if I successfully avoid every single thing that could physically affect us. But then I'm a stressed out mess. So, you know, we try to eat clean, but you know, then one day we have a busy day where I didn't pack enough food and then we go through a drive through for burgers and that's okay. Or, you know, I buy really clean cleaning products and I love them. Like abnormally, I love them, but I also love pine salt to clean my floors. So that's okay. And I know how bad dairy is for me and how I'll get super inflamed and like suffer the consequences if I eat it. But I'm a Wisconsin girl and I love cheese and Sometimes I'm going to have a little bit and that's okay. So it's just trying to find that, like, you know, it's important to be healthy, but it's also important to be mentally healthy. So Mm -hmm. trying to find that balance is like, we love natural living, but we also like to splurge every once in a while. So it's all about balance is really the key thing I think for us. Yeah. I love that so much. And I don't know if it's just maybe something that a lot of moms go through, but I feel like I kind of did that too, like really wanting clean products and, you know, the clean baby food and the clean uh, produce and just really, and it wasn't like it was always the way that I lived my life. So it was just kind of strange, but I I'm with you. Like, I, I feel like, especially as we've gotten into our groove a little bit, it's important to be flexible. And like you said, it's, it's, it's going to be better for me and for everybody if we are just more balanced and more flexible than if we were to 
aim for that perfection and get all worked up when it's not able to be achieved. Right. I'm so glad that you were able to speak to that. Um, You mentioned also attachment parenting. I'm curious just if you can explain what that is, why it's important to you and just kind of how you feel about it. So that's another thing that I found is really having balance is key because that was once again, another topic where once I started learning about it, I was like, we have to follow every single rule within this. I mean, but at the end of the day is like, you know, you step back and the basic message of attachment parenting is having a good relationship with your child where you're actively connected to them instead of like having sort of the govern from above relationship, you're having a more meet them on their level relationship. And so I found that, you know, maybe we don't do every single thing. Like I, I, there's a lot of kind of sub parts that aren't technically attachment parenting, but that a lot of attachment parents do that. Like, for example, a lot of attachment parents do elimination communication to potty train their children when they're babies or worst case scenario, cloth diapers. I didn't do either of those things. And I just couldn't. And so I had to, again, kind of come to grips with like, I need to pick the things that I value out of this movement and this philosophy and keep those things because they speak to me and I need to let the rest go because they're not for me. And so it's just finding, you know, if you find something that speaks to you, like bring it on, you know, make it part of your own world, but don't feel like you have to like take on every single tiny viewpoint of something. Yeah. I love that too. And it's just related exactly to what we just talked about with the whole natural living stuff. I um, heard a phrase once like eat the fruit and spit out the seeds. And I think that that's kind of what you're getting at. Like, yes. Perfect. Like take in, yeah. Like take in this thing and it's really good for you, but you're not supposed to, it's maybe not intended for you to eat every little piece of it. Right. So I love that. Yeah. So, so take it, take it for what it's worth and make it your own and, you know, leave the rest of it. So I think that that's really great too. Um, One thing that I definitely don't want to um, close up, I have a bunch of questions just kind of about like lessons that you want other moms to know. What would you tell yourself before? Um, But before we go into the more general questions, I really want to know more about, um, just tools that you have found helpful and as you deal with motherhood and all of that, because you mentioned just having learned some valuable lessons, you've found some helpful tools that have been really good for you. And then if you feel like those come into play at all, like with your, with your 13 year old. Oh, that's a good question. Um, My number one goal as a mom is to teach my children emotional intelligence. I really lucked out with a mom who understood emotional intelligence. And as soon as she started to see warning signs in me as a, I think I was like 11. Um, and I started showing signs of depression. She got me in a therapist and I was in a therapist until young adulthood. And even since then I have gone back as needed. So I've had the luxury of having so much education about how to be mentally healthy. That's so awesome. It is phenomenal. Um, I think the big lessons that have been really pivotal in my life is one to dig deep into your emotions. I think a lot of times we have that instinct kind of feeling that can take over our mind. But once you start really exploring the emotion and like not fighting it, 
and not like raising your fists in the air to proclaim it, but just really being introspective and digging deep and trying to understand why you're feeling a certain way, what triggered you, maybe what you could have done to avoid the trigger if there was one. I mean, there's just digging in and like really coming to an understanding of your own feelings makes it so much easier to deal with them like the next time. Um, I think another really good lesson was to just make things as good as you can. Like find peace that you've done your best. Like yesterday, my kids were up really late and they were with my oldest daughter on her PlayStation 4, which is kind of a no-no. And it was late and we were trying to get them ready for bed. But they were so happy. Like I poked my head in and they were smiling. And I could have been like the left brain mom who was like, no, come on, it's bedtime. Get your pajamas on. That's enough. You're not supposed to be on the PS4. But I thought, you know what? Like I'm going to embrace this moment. So I closed the door and I went in the living room and I turned on some PM Dawn and I had a nice time cleaning with no interruptions or complaining or fights. And so it's just about like finding. You had a nice time cleaning. I love that. I mean, as nice as I can. <laughs> You're not asking for very much, right? Right. Like, just right. Kind of, yeah. That's awesome. But that's it is like just, you know, finding those nuggets wherever you can and just making them count because that's really, you know, nobody has this big grand perfect life. Like that doesn't happen. Where you find happiness is in all those tiny things. And so the more you can create those tiny things for yourself, the more you're going to have of them. And then you know, you, you start to find yourself just gradually more happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So much good stuff. I love it. So what do you wish you knew before, say earlier in motherhood or even maybe before pregnancy that you know now? Oh, I think a big lesson I wish I would have known or would tell someone now is that there's no right answer to parenting. Like so many people seem to, seem to think that they know what the right answer is, but there just isn't such a thing. There's so many differences between each family and even each kid within a family that there's like infinite possibilities of what's right. And all you really can do is trust your gut. And, and you should trust your gut with unwavering tenacity because especially when it comes to your kids, your gut is almost never going to be wrong. And in my instance, I don't think my gut has ever been wrong. Um, and I think as long as you follow that with, you know, you can certainly seek wisdom from other people, but again, disregard the pieces that don't fit your soul or your life. As long as you're working from a place that you're seeking to have healthy relationships with the people around you, then whatever answer you come up with will always be the right one. Mm -hmm. What would you tell yourself back then if you could talk to that woman now? Oh, do not be so hard on yourself. Perfection is so incredibly overrated. I think the real connection in life happens with people when you're vulnerable and transparent. And I think people appreciate that. So I think being your authentic self and being honest about your truth is really going to bring you the most joy in the long run. Mm -hmm. what it, what's important for other moms to know other than what you've already said? Um. You know, I think kind of piggybacking off that, like the last six months have kind of, you know, caught up with me in the last week when like unfortunate news just knocks me over like a brick against a feather. But, you know, I think we don't give ourselves enough credit because constantly learning how to pivot is so exhausting and especially as a mom. And the last six months has done far too little to diminish the lack of transparency among us. So it seems like you know, something that's just embedded in our brains, like keep your chin up, keep smiling, be polite. We don't discuss that. 
and all these components of our culture, you know, from social media to Botox to general judgment that we feel we have a right to make on other people, it just perpetuates this idea that we're all supposed to have our shit together all the times. And that's just not reality. So I think being more forgiving of ourselves when we struggle or when we're not put together or when our house is messy or we are, or when we take the kids through a drive-through because we just don't have it in us to make another meal. I think it's that just being forgiving of yourself and giving yourself some grace. Mm -hmm. And that's why I feel so strongly about this podcast series and why I feel so strongly about interviewing moms anonymously. Unfortunately, I don't think that if that anything that comes out in the, in this series, I don't think that that's anything that moms would be able to say or feel comfortable saying completely, you know, explicitly out loud to everybody who knows them and to the public at large. But maybe one day that would be the case. That would be awesome if we felt that ease of vulnerability and that ease of just being able to say how we feel But I feel like that's why it's so important to get this series out to women because we just desperately want that solidarity. But it's really hard when other people just hide all the bad and they don't to give themselves grace. And they, unfortunately, whether they're conscious of it or not, they just perpetuate this cycle that everything looks great and motherhood is awesome. And I loved my baby from first sight. And if (laughs) if that is the case for people, then that's wonderful. But it certainly wasn't the case for me. And- it seemed like as soon as I was willing to say that everyone else was willing to say it too. I just feel like we, the more that we can talk about it and be real, the more other people are going to be able to talk about it and be real. So, so good, such good stuff. Um, So last question, why do you think it's important to do and go through hard things? Mm, Well, without the darkness, how can we see the light, right? (laughs) Mm-hmm. You know, if there was no wrong, how could we appreciate what's right? A friend of mine used to say that life was like a wheel and like sometimes you're on top of the wheel and sometimes it's running you over. And there's really only two things you can do when life turns is one, hang on and just remember that whatever phase you're in now, if you're up or you're down, it's not going to last. So appreciate the good when it's there. And then know with steadfast faith that when the wheel is running you over, you will be out from beneath it soon. Mm -hmm. Um, the other thing I think you can do is just keep learning all the way around, learn, learn, learn. If you do those two things, you'll have a deep, tolerant, appreciative, beautiful character and a perspective that brings you ample peace. So I think without the hard things, we wouldn't be able to learn those hard lessons. And those are the things that make us grow or remind us what we want in life or remind us who we want to be. So I think it's important to just remember that the sun always rises in the morning. It's like the only constant you can cling to. And if that's the only thing that you have to cling to, just cling to it until you can find another one. Because every phase will pass, every summit you can and will surmount, because things always get better. But it's up to us to let those hard experiences make ourselves better. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of a Rumi quote. He's a poet and the wound is where the light enters you. And I, I, I feel so strongly about that one. And I, I love it. I have it hung like all over my office at work. I have it hung in my bedroom. The wound is the place where the light enters you. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yep. It's so true. And it's so just, it just describes like my own motherhood experience so perfectly. I feel like, and similar to what you've experienced, similar to what I've heard so many other moms say, it's like, they went through this really, really difficult time and they 
felt so wounded, but now they are able to appreciate things that they weren't able to appreciate before in a way that they would not have been able to appreciate it had they not gone through those hard things. Yes. It just gives such a profound level to your life. All right. That was our episode with Anne. Again, I hope you guys found some solidarity in her sharing of her story and hope that you found her advice to be as helpful as I found it to be. Stay tuned for additional Anonymous series episodes. I have a lot more coming down the line for you. Be sure to head over also to my website, www.jennaoverbot.com. Be sure to sign up for my email newsletter where you can stay the most up to date about all the news and resources coming your way. And until next time, keep doing all the hard things.